Hello and welcome to Ruth Bears Witness, the podcast, where you can listen to the stories I've written in my blog posts. Thank you for joining me today for my blog post entitled Self-Care in Parenting a Child with Mental Illness from the series To Hell and Back, Our Panda's Journey. I have stepped out into the light. Having trudged through the fog of parenting a child with significant, untreated, and or misdiagnosed mental illness for 10 years now. This is because of a lack of mental health resources, not for lack of effort in trying. After battling through this past year in the midst of the worst I have ever seen, I've learned some powerful truths, and in accepting them, I find light. As I rediscovered my role in my daughter's distraught life, it felt as though that vessel that holds all my heartache, you know, that tender, achy place just behind your sternum, just completely shattered. I reached my limit for heartbreak, and then I found myself bouncing back. Through this past year, there just weren't enough glasses of wine, bubble baths, or coloring books to ease this constant state of crisis. The best self-care I could possibly give me was to reduce my parental role to a mentally ill child. I took all I have learned through my personal experience growing up with mental health issues. I had excellent and accessible mental health care to navigate them. My professional experience and training as a disability accommodation specialist for five years and foster parenting. I gave myself some grace and some distance from this past year with Layla and I've learned some things that might be helpful for others in similar situations for their own self-care. Number one, people with significant mental illness still have brains that rationalize, but not the way you think. From a young age, we are taught to reason and rationalize, so the brain will try. And when the brain feels intense emotion, it needs a reason for those emotions. The problem with depression is that there isn't a reason or circumstance for those feelings to attach to. It's a chemical imbalance. Nothing in the environment is causing the pain. It's just there because the brain is producing too much or too little of some chemical or hormone. The rational brain doesn't know that. As a result, that person's closest relationships often suffer the most. They very often believe you are to blame in some way, so you undergo a lot of bizarre accusations and abuse. Understanding this helps us not to take the accusations personally, but it still wears us out. Number two, I am not the cause of my child's suffering. It is truly not my fault that her chemicals are imbalanced. I did not cause this problem. Her reality and that of the rest of the world are not the same, so she honestly believed the terrible things she accused me of. But once I realized that I didn't have to accept the accusations or reason with her, I looked right into her eye and said, I do not accept that. I am not in charge of your happiness or your pain. I've done everything I can to help you get what you need, and I love you. You will not put that burden on me, and I will not accept it. Saying it out loud made me realize how true it really was, and freed me from a guilt I didn't realize I was carrying. Number three, my child's mental illness is not a reflection of me or my parenting skills. I no longer feel the need to put all 
the fires out that she starts, figuratively speaking. If she destroys every friendship she has, I can't do enough damage control to keep up. I can only hope for understanding from other parents. The consequences of actions will be what they must. So mostly I have to take preemptive action where it is possible, like no social media or sleepovers, etc. She's still being taught right from wrong, but that doesn't guarantee that she is learning it since she's not living in the reality. Otherwise, I have divested myself of the sense of inevitable failure of such an impossible and monumental task until she's healthy again. Number four, just because you love your mentally ill child and they live in a loving family does not mean they feel or are able to receive that love. I can provide a loving, nurturing environment with plenty of intentional points of interaction and model healthy relationships, but that doesn't mean they're picking up the cues or reading the memos when the synapses aren't firing properly in the brain. And from what I've seen, I noticed that if left untreated, the synapses begin creating unhealthy connections and develop behaviors that don't reflect the environment that the child is in. Therefore, the capacity for healthy relationships through life can become significantly jeopardized. It's crucial to be able to medically treat the synapses and hormones and retrain the brain through therapy to become a healthy adult capable of loving intimacy. Number five. Parents of children with mental illness desperately need breaks and the child needs fresh starts. So once you've upheld those boundaries and the child continually barges right through, careless of the consequences, and there's literally no material thing or privilege left to take from the child, and you've had enough, it's time for a timeout for everyone, especially the parent. We packed Layla off to a relative or close friend's house for the weekend countless times. Everyone could breathe again, and upon returning home, we gave back all the privileges and started over. Of course, it is often only a matter of days before we're back where she left off, but it's a kind of reprieve for everyone. This is one thing we learned when we were doing foster care trainings as well. Number six, in some circumstances, you find that you have reached the end of what you can do for your child. In the worst of it, with nowhere left to turn for medical help that would actually benefit my child, I had to release my role, temporarily. Since mental health care is largely inaccessible where we live and all of the resources available to us are completely exhausted and useless, we decided to send her to live with relatives who do have access to quality care in another state. Once we made the decision, I told her, I can't provide you with the medical help you need where we live. I can't parent you when you are so medically unstable. You need to go to a place where you can get that help. And then when you have the medication and tools you need to cope, we can try this again. I asked her if she wanted to go. She immediately said yes. I'm fully aware of how fortunate we are to have such an opportunity. I know that I've done everything in my power to help my child. I no longer have to hold myself responsible for things that are not mine. I can let go. I'm able to heal now. I can be a friend to my friends again. My sense of humor is returning. My other children feel safe, loved, and stable. And someday very soon, After she's properly diagnosed and with the proper course of treatment, I believe she will return home and become a strong, capable adult 
with fulfilling and loving relationships. She's already on the right track and she is healing, so I have hope for her again. Light. To hear or read more Ruth Bear's Witness stories, please visit ruthbearswitness.wordpress.com. Thanks for joining me today. Take care and God bless.